This episode of That Reload Podcast is brought to you by Haltman Family Meats. For the full butcher shop experience without leaving your home, visit HaltmanFamilyMeats.com. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, no! <laughs> no, you got it. Swallow. Cups. Into the cup. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, y'all? Welcome back to That Reload Podcast. It's St. Patty's Day, and uh, we have a special treat that uh, we're going to have here in, in I want to say in lieu. Is that, that's in, that's in wrong. honor of. In honor of St. Patty's Day. There you go. There you there go. go. I learned also <laughs> here today that we, uh, I've been using the word lieu wrong. With my <laughs> no, entire... Not the man's name, Lou, but like yeah. in lieu of. In lieu of, yeah. yeah. Like I've been using that completely wrong my entire life. But this is a, um, it's a pretty complex um Recipe. Recipe we're going to have here. All of us have had it except for Matt, which is kind of a trending issue here. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is just turning into the Show Matt Stuff podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty complex if we can. if we, uh, We're going to try to get it up for you guys on the Reload Rub website. It's a very technical recipe. It's very technical, and it's very St. Patty-ish. So um, uh, let's go ahead. Something and, the Irish are very known for, actually. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. it is. And it is uh, it's called a Irish Car Bomb. What Hey-o. is this thing? What Just am kidding. I supposed to do? It was a joke. It wasn't. Right. It's not complicated. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna raise our shot glass. We're gonna cheers, and then you drop the entire shot glass into your drink. Into your Guinness. What is this? Oh, it's Guinness. Yes. Oh, this is Guinness in the oh. cup. And no. this is Bailey's and Irish cream. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Oh no, okay. it's not Bailey's. This is half Jameson whiskey. The okay. shot is, and it's half. Like uh, Irish cream. No, it's uh, sweet Lucy's. Well, it's just Irish cream. Yeah. But um, the, listen to me. This is important. Okay. You cannot sip this. This has to be chugged. Yes. So uh, we're gonna drop. We drop the whole shot glass into the glass of beer and chug the whole thing at once. If you sip it, it like will cur- it'll curdle. Yep. Uh, so uh, what if I puke everywhere? That's fine. <laughs> All over the road. <laughs> Just don't puke on the mic, and you're yeah. good. Hit the floor. We'll mop it up. Okay. All right. So. Um, hey guys, this is I want to. This is the toast. May all your ups and downs be between the sheets. Heyo, heyo, <laughs> let's go. Okay. Drop. I made a mess. Money. <laughs> Come on, I Matt. Love that. If you can't do it, he's got it. Come on, man, you got it. Do <laughs> it. Do it. Right do it. <laughs> oh, yes. oh no. <laughs> No, you got it. Swallow. Into the cup. (laughs) (laughs) I almost had it. And that is barbecue, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Oh, poor Matt. I think it curdled in my mouth. (laughs) That's what she said. Hey, (laughs) oh. Oh, that's so good. I love that. I would do another one. It's like a milkshake. It kind of has a peanut buttery flavor to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they're in a weird way. There are tree nuts in there, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for that. <laughs> As Julie brings him a water. Yeah. I saw you get into the ass end of that drink, man. And it was like, oh, no, he's My not going to make it. He's <laughs> watering. watering. Good call on the cups, Dace. Yeah. Uh, get in the cup. Get in the cup. So you want to introduce us or what? We haven't even done that yet in this episode. <laughs> oh, okay, guys. We have the entire crew here today, as you can tell. I'm your host, Joel. Uh, to my left is the chef, Jeremy. How's it going? 
right in front of me here, the one that just gagged a maggot, is uh, producer Matt. <laughs> levels, levels. And the beautiful and talented to my right, Miss Stacy. Hey, guys. Okay, so actually, guys, this podcast has nothing to do with St. Patty's. Um, we but it is St. Patty's. So. But it is St. Patty's, so we wanted to honor it, and we did some Irish stuff. <laughs> and Matt did half of it. God, Irish that was thing. gold. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was most of the most of it. Yeah, I you, was worried the shot glass was going to come back and hit me in the face. <laughs> so worried. that was what kept you me from like just, with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like ice will like collapse collapse out of the drink into and, your face. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. There's a technique to it, kind of like shotgunning a beer. You know, I am I've very good at that. that by the way, you never shot it on a beer. Holy no. shit! We do that too. I don't have a rowdy pass. I've got footage of me shotgunning a beer and then doing the floss in front of a campfire. I have yes. So the floss is a pretty recent dance, so that had to be pretty recent. Yeah, it, was <laughs> it was last year. This wasn't like in my twenties. No, I, I was thirty-six. Years I have like the Macarena or something. I'm not gonna call myself the best, but I have a pretty good talent at shotgunning beers. Do you? Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty. I can slam them motherfuckers. Putting your mouth on there and sucking. You're really yeah. good at it. Yes. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I learned it in high school. <laughs> Did you? All right. In the locker room, maybe? <laughs> okay. Uh, weird. We're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, guys, we, what we're actually doing on the podcast today is we are going to be cooking a rare cut, if you will, uh, called picanha. The, yep. And uh, it's a... Matt, is that the proper pronunciation? I don't picanha. know how to pronounce it. Our grammar expert. Yeah. Picanha. 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 So this, uh, this cut is... I don't know a whole lot about this, and I'm kind of... Jeremy's going to be really kind of leading the charge on this episode, um, but it's po- very popular in Brazil, yes, right? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And what I've always seen of it is where they skewer it... Um, like Churrasco style on skewers. And I don't know the name, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that's yeah. yeah, okay. And that's how I've always seen it done. Um, like you go to a restaurant, they bring it out, or whatever, or whatnot. Yeah, like your Brazilian steakhouses will have it. But we're it. not doing that. No. Okay, we're doing different. We're different. gonna cook it like four different ways. We're dabbling <laughs> in all aspects of picanha. See, mm-hmm. and this, I mean, it, and it's like uh, from what I've understood about this, it's it's hard to find this cut. Or, or whatnot, and you're not yeah. going to find another grocery store in general. But see, stuff like this, and this, uh, this is this is what makes me want to do this. I have, um, I've had this idea. My uncle has some property. He's got about a hundred acres, about an hour and a half from here, and uh, he's trying to lease out a portion of that um, to for this guy who wants to just put cattle on it. You know, raise his cattle and whatnot. And he he told me the other day, he was like, "Hey, you can go buy you a calf for a hundred bucks." Throw it in there with this guy's cows and, you know, maybe help him out as far as him helping keep it fed and all that jazz. I'm like, and to me, I think it's like a great freaking idea. I've always wanted, I've always wanted to buy, you know, uh, like half a cow or something like that. And I want to, I'm thinking about doing it. I want to raise my own cow and butcher that sucker. Well, we eat so much venison at the house um, because that's never anything that we have to ration around here except for last year but you know i would love to have some more beef in the freezer you make your own tomahawks and all that stuff i think that's a great idea joel you should definitely do that why are you laughing because <laughs> it's a stupid idea why? it's really dumb why so first off on the butchering aspect you want to butcher your own cow yeah so all the gear you have for venison is about one tenth the size of what you would need to butcher a cow you're talking about a two thousand pound plus animal yeah there's no way you would be able to string that thing up in a tree and butcher it you would need a well saw to cut it in half you would need such extravagant equipment that there's no way you could get it you would need a walk-in freezer to hang that for at least a week or two after you uh you know quarter it up and stuff what if you quarter it in the winter and then hang it outside? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a horrible idea because cows are at their thinnest in the winter, and that's not when you want to butcher them. Oh. Exactly. Oh. Um, and then butchering aside, that whole thing is very okay. ridiculous. Okay, hang on, hang on. Pump the brakes. My uncle has a tractor, big boy. String a sucker up on the bucket, lift it up in the air. I got it hung. And you're going to buy a $10,000 well saw to cut that thing in half? What the hell's a well saw? Uh, it's a huge saw used for uh, cutting, a, cutting a uh, carcass in half. And why do I got to cut it in half? So you can butcher it. Why don't I just butcher it like I do a deer? Because it's so much bigger than a deer. I can do it. If people can butcher elk, elk are the same size as a damn cow. Why can't I do a cow? Oh. No. You're not going to get the quality and cuts that you would get from a butcher shop butchering it yourself so you're, in the field. you are, you're dis- discrediting my butchering ability. 100%. I think we should try <laughs> it. <laughs> but didn't he teach you how to butcher? Yeah, and I did an okay job of butchering. Oh, uh, uh, well, it's okay. <laughs> but are you going to say that, like, I am on the same level as someone who's been in a butcher shop butchering whole carcass no, but animals I mean, at for the same, 20 years? At the same time, if it costs me $200, $300, because, I mean, like... It, like it's going to cost you way more than $300. Well, no, because from what I... My idea aspect of this mm-hmm. is to... That these are going to be just... Oh, frick, I can't speak. Um, grazing, so, so grazing, on. grazing only. You so know I mean? you're, you're getting the calf for a hundred dollars and yeah. then you're going to help this guy out with what to, to, to raise the cow Well, all because he, they need, you know, certain shots or antibiotics, the basic stuff, you know, um, they're going to need treatment. They're going to need uh, vet do bills. They have to gonna, no, I'm saying like the basic stuff, not like the steroids and all the crazy stuff, but like, you know, there, there will be vet, vet visits and there will be other aspects of that but that you're going to be involved let's with. Let's really, th- but in perspective, do they do? When you see a big pasture like that, do you, do you think they're really having a vet come out and check every single cow? If something goes through the herd, yeah, absolutely. Well, if something goes through the herd, sure. Yeah, you don't know. I don't know. I'll put the sucker down. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Shit. And then that's wasted money and a wasted cow. I guess it is. The thing that's like intimidating to me about it is I just don't know all the cuts on the cow that I would want to save. Like, so we're talking about pecania today, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't know where that cut actually comes from and how you know the best way to pull that off the cow would be. So you're used to butchering venison, which are small. Uh, you know, white tail. Some, they're very yeah. small. 120 pounds for for one. There's multiple. Oh no, not even. I mean, like 100 pounds. Yeah, I mean, an, an average deer, um, like a white do- tail East Coast, a, a doe, a big mature doe is probably going to be a, a ninety to one hundred and ten pounds. So you're talking about something twenty times bigger, sure. which means all of the muscles are twenty times bigger. So stuff that you would completely overlook on a deer is a massive muscle. On I totally, I totally agree with beef. that. There's so many, there's things on deer you just cut, you just don't get. Mm-hmm. Because they're not there. Like a tricep on a deer doesn't exist because it's the size of your pinky finger. Well, it's actually about two or three inches long, but it's like, you know, yay. So you're used well, to I mean, things I've that co- size. Co- Different size pinky fingers. Co- co- yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're very used to things that are two to three inches long. But what I'm saying is, you got to take it from my my perspective where I'm seeing things much bigger. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Well done. Well done. That was touche on that one. Um, so... The, the is this book, where I'm supposed to speak up? <laughs> no, we just we'll keep it between us, baby. Uh, so the butchering, butchering would be extremely difficult. There are whole animal butcher shops in the U.S. that do an excellent job. Um, there are very particular cuts, not just the bacana, but things like a Denver steak or uh, we were talking earlier off camera the oyster steak. Like, yeah, we wouldn't even know where to find that. It's somewhere off the H bone. I know that much, but that's about it. Yeah, and there are nowadays whole animal butchery is beginning to beginning to be such an art in the U.S. that people are really taking their time to find all these 
extraordinary cuts like the uh, the Terrace Major and different stuff. People like Haltzman's Family Meats are really diving into that, getting all those intricate cuts that you can't find in a grocery store. And so I feel like you would be missing all of those if you did that. You know, and 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 I, I can I agree with you on that. And I know I'm right. Man, mm. so he's so humble. So humble. Do you see how humble he? I'm, I'm, I do. But no, it's I can agree with you in that aspect of it. I mean, I am full confident that I could butcher a cow. Now, with, with, I, with the proper tools, I think you could definitely butcher a whole cow. But do you have twenty grand to drop into buying all those that. tools? I don't think I need that. They a walk-in freezer like, to hang this thing and all that stuff. What portion of it is just going to end up like ground beef and so, not no, in a specific so, cut? So we're getting to that. If you were to say buy a whole cow, yeah, which I've looked it up before, it's somewhere ten to fifteen dollars a pound is what you're gonna pay for like a whole cow. Yeah, you're gonna get like seventy five percent ground beef. So all those excellent cuts that we love, that we really just you know Halton Meats gets them, all the, the local butcher shop has them. But that's those are gonna be ground up. That's why I didn't want to do it because my experience with uh, butchers in the outdoor industry. Um, they, the, how they butcher, a, a, a deer. Mm-hmm. That's why I start doing it myself. You butcher your deer much more intricately than yes. the average hunter does because you know where all those cuts are and you have that knowledge to be able to yeah. make those cuts and, and pull them out. Like, you know, the hind quarter is where most of the steaks are. So you can stake that out instead of just turning it into beef jerky or ground venison. Or ground. Um, but when you buy one, like I, I, I was actually just on a website the other day looking at something and it was like um, a quarter cow was like 75 pounds of meat. They went through a few cuts and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, all ground, 50 pounds of ground meat. And, and that's like the worst, which we had a burger episode. We talked about that. That's the worst way to buy ground meat. You don't know what it is. You don't know where it came what from. Parts? Um, it's, it's ground and then frozen, which means when you thaw it out, all this purge is going to come out, which is the juiciness of the burger. You know, um, we talked about how chuck is a, a great muscle, but yeah. th- they're saving the chuck for roasts and stuff. What you're getting is, is, is who knows, you know, it could be a great steak version, a, secret, a great steak part of the cow that could have been a steak or it could be just... That, well, that's why that's I, that's why I wanted to do it myself. Now, I, you know, looking at it, it, it would be a daunting task. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And but I don't think I would have to have twenty thousand dollars in equipment to pull all the muscle groups off of a off of a cow. Well, how, how are you going to cool that cow down after you butcher it? After you kill it? I'm gonna put it in a refrigerator. I don't know. A, a, you're about two thousand pounds of beef into a refrigerator. So check this we have out. Three deep freezers. Yeah, full of meat already. You buy thirty four. Okay. Okay. That is a Touché. solid. That is a solid point. <laughs> Are you gonna buy three more freezers? Like, come on now. So no, we'll give uh, them to our friends, like you guys. No, <laughs> I'm good with that. I would have to. They 100 would have to have some sort of refrigeration station, and they have um, uh, coolers that you can like make. And mm-hmm. you, just, you, I've seen where they use the the wall units. Yeah. Um, put them in there. You can set those things and keep them between thirty, you know, thirty five and forty five degrees. And how much is one of those things? Well, you can make it yourself. Can uh, you know? I don't know how much it is. <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying. So, 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 so that's the first so, obstacle. Uh, no, hang on. Let me see. Is is so? Is your argument to, to to bring it back here that I should just buy a butchered cow versus raising one and doing it myself? Like mon- just going to monetarily, no, or I think or both, raise it and have it butchered. Are, no, both of them are bad ideas. Well, why? So just buy them from the store. 
Yeah, because like what you're looking at is when you buy like um, a quarter of a cow, you're paying that 10 to $15 per pound, but most of it is ground beef, which you can buy way cheaper at the store, yeah. whereas your steaks are going to be more expensive, but it equals out to where it's just cheaper to buy it at the store or at a butcher shop. And yeah. then if you were but to- But that's bu- numerous cows being ground up into one- That's if you're buying ground, but I, like, I'm not going to ever buy ground anywhere- you know, at a butcher shop. I'm just not. Yeah, know. no, like we talked about it in our book episode. You buy like ground chuck and you know it's probably a couple chucks from a couple cows, but it's not the th- the hundreds of cows at some processing facility and then it gets ground up and it gets frozen and it's, it's who knows what it is. It, it, it's watery. It's, it's, it's falling apart. It's, it's not the greatest well, stuff. Well, okay, aside from the monetary stuff, uh, for, throw it out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, I throw, I throw the equipment out the window Let's say I can refrigerate it. What's okay. that? I figure that. Let's throw the monetary side. So, so forget like the money aspect of it. It's more of it's like I'm getting really great meat. So here we go. You you have a bolt gun. You know how to cap to bolt that cow. Forty five. You don't want to put a hole through the entire cow. You just want to put a hole through its head. Just... <laughs> it's like Napoleon Dynamite. You're putting the shotgun to its nose <laughs> and pulling the trigger on it. Okay, so you're that guy. Somehow you find a way to eviscerate it in the field because this is a massive animal. You yeah. Know, you know when elk are, are, are killed in the field, they have to pull the muscles off the back in order to open yes. it up. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not a delicate they, process. They leave – basically they, they peel and leave all the entrails. They don't, they don't, don't eviscerate it. They, yes. they leave it in. So, so let's say you have a bolt gun. You have a tractor to pick it up and eviscerate it in the yep. field. Yep. You have a well saw to cut it in half and pull the skin off of it and, t- and take the head off in the field. That's you one have, thing I didn't think about was the skin. Yes. Like how tough that would be to peel. It's extremely difficult. You have a well saw to cut it, cut the head off and cut it in half. You have a refrigeration unit that you can hang it in because you want to hang it for 7 to 21 days so that it can fully cool down so that yeah. you're able to because, you know, hot meat is bad. Sure. You know, you want to cool it down fast. That's why we hunt in the wintertime and stuff so you can cool it down outside. So say you have that ability. You can do all that. Now you have half of a cow. It weighs 1,000 to 1,200 pounds. Yeah. You have a facility with a table that can handle the weight of that cow to set it on. You have the bone saw and the knife, and you're ready to go and butcher that cow. Yeah. It would take you a few cows to figure out how to do it really well. You think so? I think so. Because, like, the way I look at it— Do you think you could walk into a butcher shop today and say, I'm a master butcher. I want your highest-paying job. Let's go. No, that's what I'm saying. That's not the point. I mean, for me, for me, it's like, you know, we can hear all that water on here. I want another car bomb. (laughs) (laughs) You talk your beef in your cow. Yeah, talk your beef, Joel. Now, the way I look at it, and then we we probably ought to move on. I think the charcoal outside is getting cooked up. Pretty much. Um, We uh, like on on a on a a whitetail. I can. I, I'm that, that little tiny hind corner. I can find all the muscle groups just with my fingers, and I would imagine once you trim, you know, some of the hard fat back on a cow, that I could do the same thing. You can, but it's on such a massive scale yeah. that you're like, oh, is, the, is is this the spot? Is this the spot? Like, I, I butchered my own deer last year for the first time by myself based off your videos. Yeah, and I feel like. I could do it better now after I did the first one, but I still don't know anywhere near the amount of knowledge that I would need to know to be able to do it on, on a master's level. That's where I'm saying it's worth the it's it's not worth your time or money to raise that cow, do it yourself as it is to go to a butcher shop somewhere like Haltemans and order those cuts of meat that you want. Yeah. And not have to deal with it because you got to think they are affordable. Because you got to think like 
in that entire cow, you're getting one hanger steak. You're getting two full ribeyes. Yeah. One picanha. No, two picanhas. One from each side. Oh. Two sirloins. Um, two chuck <laughs> roasts. That sound. <laughs> that was a car bomb in in action. <laughs> but but like, these are the steaks that we like to eat, and plus you're gonna get a crap ton of ground beef. That is true. Okay, yeah, and I think I, I'm with you on that. I have full I have full confidence though in um, Joel's capability of butchering. But but be, being but, the, with being the, the f- work of actually raising the. So, so all the work going into it and being the foodie that you are, a big portion of that beef you will not want to eat. And and you've said that before. We have had our friends give us beef before uh, from a cow and your it own the wife same. turning on you. That was only ground. It, it was ground because like, he didn't care for the ground. The, the ground beef they gave us was very like pasty. It's good for like chili or like pasta sauces, but like not for burgers. Who are you? I love you, and I, and I think you could butcher it, so, definitely. So everyone, including Matt, who hasn't said anything, is against you in this, Joel. I, I think... I think. <laughs> I wouldn't say against. Okay. I, I am, I'm straddling the fence. Well, All right, so well, I totally see the appeal of doing something like that yourself and trying it out and having the, like, experience of it. Yes. I, I, I understand that, but I also understand that if I'm doing it for food purposes, I'm going to go to somebody like Haltman who knows what they're doing and can provide that cut to me, and, and it's going to be something I, I know what to expect. I know what I'm going to get. I think for me... But it, only if it's affordable because, I mean... Which luckily, is. Luckily, Haltman's is affordable, but like some of these other um, beef ranches or whatever that we see all over Instagram, it's it's just not practical for some people that are on mm-hmm. a media net. Uh, and maybe I am lacking in the in the the fact checking and the knowledge of how much it would actually cost. Because when, when we when the idea was presented, it was, hey, you could probably just throw that cow on there. His, his cows and and and, and him will help. We'll take I care doubt of it. This rancher is going to be like, yeah, let me take care of all your cows for free. No big deal, bro. Hey, when I'll give him some reload. We more that. A bottle of reload. Uh, hang on. Well, well, hang on. Wait for that real quick. So I think, but I think for me, it is about like I, I'm looking at it going. Uh, you know, I was looking at it in the aspect of for three, four hundred dollars, I would have an entire cow. And the experience behind and the, and the experience. like processing that. Yeah. yeah, I would think the the size of the cow would be prohibitive in your ability to butcher it. Whereas something like um, Farmer Paul from Pasture Bird, he got into chickens. Chickens are more manageable. I think you could raise your own chickens, butcher them yourself, and go that route for an affordable rate opposed to like an entire beef, which is insanely massive. See, but the thing is the Dexter in me wants to butcher a cow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think once you have... That huge carcass setting. Okay. I'll probably be like, what the hell did I have I done? When but. I was a teenager, I worked on a um, dairy farm. Uh, oh, Cows are absolutely <laughs> He is like an onion. He's got <laughs> so many layers. <laughs> Anyways, thanks, Shrek. Every- um, <laughs> <laughs> He's worked on a dairy farm but never had a, a fast food hamburger. So. Yeah. Anyways. I like how this episode is about picanha and we're... I know. We've gone down a rabbit hole. Finish the dairy story. <laughs> G- uh, I don't know how much time you spent around cows, but like when one of them would die, like one time we're on the dairy farm, uh, lightning struck a fence, jumped over to a cow and killed the cow. Wow. What you do is you dig a hole next to the cow and, and push the body into it. You don't move the cow. There's no way to move that cow. Even the tractor we had on the farm couldn't pick up an entire cow. You dig a hole next to it, push it into that hole and then bury it there. Yeah. And that's all you can do. That's all you can do. 
well, your lack of confidence in me is making me want to do it even more. So, exactly. Now, now, like, I do want to see you do it because I think it would be really hilarious and it would be great content. I'm making you come help. No. <laughs> I mean, like, I'll come take some pictures and laugh and drink some beers with Stacy. Stacy and I will do some car bombs. Car bombs um, yeah. I'm ready to do a second one. Like, I, like, we'll do a podcast. We'll set up the equipment and like watch you like screw it up, and it'll just be like a live podcast. But yeah. like, <laughs> thank you. Thank no, you. I have full. I have full confidence in this. Thank you, honey. As a wife should tell her husband. I will, no, I'm gonna, no, if I will, any Anybody criticizes this man? Yeah. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> and I do have full confidence in it. So I thought that was going somewhere else. Bringing it home, bringing it home. The real reason we're talking about butchering a whole cow is because we want to be able to get cuts like picanha off, which is what we're cooking today, right? Now, there, there are tons of great whole animal butchers. Like, we've mentioned Halton's a few times locally. We have a Willie's Butcher Shop, which is a great butcher shop. Um, and they can... They know their craft so well that they can get in there and they can harvest different cuts that you wouldn't wouldn't normally find, like the picano, which we're talking about today. Yes, and so, anyways, back into that. Sorry, we got a freaking crazy dog going out there, pissing me off. We got Jeremy <laughs> we'll pissing me off, um, and Stacey's want to do her daggum car bomb. And we're going to get into this right now. So we got some charcoal prep. We got several different types of cooking methods that we're going to do with the picanha. Jeremy, you're going to lead the the charge. Yep. uh, We got four different kinds we're going to do today. Uh, We've got one going in the sous vide right now. We're going to do one reverse sear on the pellet grill. We're going to do one reverse seared on the pit barrel. And then we're going to do the traditional... Um, cast iron pan steak with uh, you know the butter and yeah. the herbs and everything in it and then we're going to come back and compare all of those together which I'm sure they're going to make me eat it on the air which I absolutely hate to do because it's super annoying because <laughs> they're going to want me to explain it while they just have a great time eating it. Jeremy them. just wants to um, stuff his face and then talk about it later and we want this we want to we want to taste it in the moment. And so what they want is for me to explain it to y'all while they eat them. While we're eating yeah. <laughs> all the chew sounds in the microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> That's right. Right, so 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 Stacy's gonna do her car bomb right now, and then we're going to take a break, cook that dagum picanha, and uh, eat it on the air. Stacy, it's this, all yours. Cut right us now. out. Do yeah. your car bomb. Let's do go. It. All right, let's go. Come on, suckers. Boom. Ziggy zaggy, ziggy zaggy. Oi, oi, oi. Go, go, go. Hurry before it curdles. Look at her go. Look, look at her go, man. That's boom. Uh, I feel like less of a man now. <laughs> you really, you really should. I will see you guys in a little bit. guys so we are back the picanha is all finished we got our four different cooking methods this is a uh just and i just really want to say thank you guys for all your help cooking these i couldn't have done it without jeremy you're welcome <laughs> we spent a lot of time story in that yeah. joke, just so you know there's a major moral support that was in there i think so anyways we have not talked at all about picanha but we're gonna taste and then talk yes about so how to prep uh, it. we cooked it four different ways um i use that term we very loosely and we are going it to try. Yeah. We're going to try them now. Uh, the four ways were. I can't read Stacy's handwriting. <laughs> I'm the one who cooked them, but I don't even know. Uh, we did a pan sear on one of them with butter and thyme and rosemary. We did a reverse sear on the camp chef. We did a reverse sear on the pit barrel, and then we did sous vide with a revert or with a sear over charcoal. So, so, bas- so basically, we did yeah, your sous vide method. Method. We did cast iron, 
charcoal, and pellet smoking. Mm -hmm. So when you guys eat these, there's a very specific way to. The grain runs along it. You want to cut against the grain and get a little bit of the fat cap in with it. If you guys at home are not aware of what a um, picanha looks like, just go ahead and Google it. It's a, it's a very particular looking steak. So when you butcher it, you actually cut it with the grain when you're taking the whole two and a half pound um, picanha steak. Um, you cut it with the grain so that when it's finished and you're cutting it into bite sizes, you're cutting against the grain. Yep. So you guys so, want to try the first one, the pit barrel? Yes. Pit barrel. There we go. Pit barrel junior. Mmm. Mm. The fat is not like what I expected. It's good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just the texture is a little bit different. Mm. It's not like um, it in like previous bacon. episodes we've had bone marrow before, and it's not that rendered down jelly. There's you a little bit bacon. of bacon. Yeah, it's weird. Like a bacon I think flavor? It's, it's the mm -hmm. salt, like yeah. where bacon's normally cured. So we season these in the traditional way, which is salt only. A Brazilian, the Brazilian traditional way mm. is using only coarse or rock salt. Mm, that charcoal is really coming through. Oh my gosh. It's good. According to Guga Foods, picanha is the world's best steak. World's best. I don't know about that. It's good. I don't know. I have thoughts. I'm eager to try the other the other methods. Yep, I'm gonna hold off on this piece. Let's um I wanna get into um the next one with one skewer in it. So now we're going to go to the one with one skewer in it. And this is like the more traditional way of cooking a steak. It is uh, pan seared. And then um, I threw a bunch of butter into the cast iron pan, basted it in the butter, used um, some rosemary and thyme in there with it. And again, only seasoned it in the traditional way of just salt. Now th this one's mo better. Mo better. Yeah, the herbs mm -hmm. are really mm -hmm. pulling through. I mean, immediately you get the butter on the front end with the steak. Mm -hmm. Mm. I haven't tried it yet because I've been talking. Mm. I'm definitely getting the rosemary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so oh, yeah. Maybe we'll get into this later, but to me, this is not that different from a tri-tip except that fat cap on it. The fat element. Yeah. Consistency part. The, I'm sorry. Too very far, similar. Too far from the mic. Yeah, the consistency part is very similar to tri-tip, but uh, that, the fat you, is you, so You would be so pleased tasty. to learn then that this also comes from the sirloin. Hmm. No, oh, this is like um, super flavorful. Yes, this is an extremely flavorful cut, which, um, in my opinion, are the better cuts. Like my favorite cut of beef is like a strip steak because it has a good chew to it. It has a good amount of flavor to it. It's, it's, it's that good balance. And this has a lot of those qualities. Yeah, because like, you know, we only seasoned it with coarse salt, which I know you, in the pan you did some rosemary and thyme, but I cannot believe the amount of flavor that's in it. Because if you cooked like a plain filet or something like that in butter by itself, it wouldn't have the amount of flavor this has. No, not necessarily. Because, um, you know, um, it, it depends on the quality of the filet you have. If you have like a prime or a wagyu filet, you're going to have some marbling through there. But basically what you're going to find at the store is like choice filets and stuff. And you're not going to find that, that huge amount of marbling in them. See, I think that's oh. the key when you're buying a steak and with flavor. Um if, it, if you have fat content to your steak... Fat is flavor. That's a sponge for mm -hmm. flavor. Yeah. And it's going to, you know, slurp it up. Or In whatnot. my opinion, this one soaked up that rosemary, that butter, that so thyme. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I like that mm -hmm. it's just got salt on it because it doesn't mask the flavor of the herbs that you had in the pan yes. at all. Like, you can yeah. still get that stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one I like better, though. Well, then let's move on to number three. Okay. So this is one with two skewers in it. It is the sous vide. So I cooked this one in my jewel sous vide. 
Uh, it was in there for about two hours or so, and then I seared it. Or, well, I cooked it at 126 degrees internal, which will... Ooh. Drinking that beer. It'll never go past that. <laughs> Carbon's right. coming back. So, uh, Carbon's coming go, back. It'll never come past 126. Yeah, like, I think in the future we should just have an episode on sous vide, so let's not dive too deep into that here. Yeah. It, it was cooked at an internal of 126 degrees and then seared over the charcoal. On the Weber? This is good. On the Weber. This, okay. is, this is good, but it's my least favorite so far. Mm-hmm. Mm. You really taste the charcoal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think, but, but the PBJ. It's still really the, the good. Pit, the one cooked on the pit barrel. Mm-hmm. Like that smoky, you know, charcoal flavor was really present. Yeah, because, uh, you know, like using like a high quality charcoal, like Jealous Devil Lump, it really infuses that smoke flavor yeah. straight into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but maybe it was because I got kind of the end piece of the first one. Yeah, we gave you the, the crappiest pit. pieces of all of them, Matt. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It's kind of what it seems like, actually. Well, <laughs> do you want. Uh, this piece? No, no, no. I was going to say, like, for me on the tenderness mm-hmm. scale, the second one was the most tender, the easiest chew. The pan seared. Yep. Okay. And then this one, this yeah. third one is next, and then the PBJ was the one that was the All right. Yeah, so the PBJ cooks at a higher temperature because we're using lump charcoal. Um, now, this one would be the gentlest of cooking methods. Which one is this? That's the PBJ, in my opinion, is my favorite one. Okay. So far? So far, now, okay. PBJ outweighs... Now, PBJ, uh, that's a good cut. That's way better than the one that I started with. Yeah, so it all depends on the part of the cut because I'm telling you, the PBJ, the, the Pit Barrel Jr. cut, go. in my opinion, is the best one so far. Then the pan. So, so, so for you at home, we, we have four steaks, four different ways, and then I cut them into quarters. So not everyone is getting the center cut piece of the picanha. Some people have edges and stuff like that. So Yeah, he gave me all the edges. <laughs> no, I rotated it. Every plate has, like, two edges. <laughs> now, um... The sous vide, like, I've done a lot of sous vide cooking, just a word on that. Um, it's a very easy way to cook. It's very, very consistent, but like the unlike the other methods, it doesn't have, like, I saw a video recently where I said it doesn't have that soul to it. It doesn't have that pan of the of the garlic and, or the rosemary mm-hmm. and the thyme in it. It doesn't have the, that smokiness of the, um, yeah. of the um, pit barrel. What you're tasting initially is that char from yep. the charcoal, which is not the sous vide at all. So why didn't you put any herbs in the bag with the steak so in that case? We're cooking all of these the traditional way with salt only. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that reason, I didn't on this. But um, when you're cooking sous vide, uh, you want to use dried herbs in there because the low cooking temperature will cook them uh, fresh herbs in a very weird way. So you want to use like like the pit barrel mag or the um, the reload rub magnum. <laughs> Too many car bombs here. The reload rub magnum is a great great way to uh, to to cook sous vide. I've done it before because those herbs have already been dried out. Like they're not going to cook inside there and not going to get that weird off put uh, flavor that you would normally have. Whereas that with bitter. the yeah with, with the pan searing, um, you throw butter in there and the herbs are cooking in that butter at that higher heat. It really extracts the essence. Yes, yeah, like out I of said, them. it infuses the butter as you're basing the steak. Exactly. With it, right? Whereas putting like butter into to a sous vide bag is kind of like putting butter next to your steak in the fridge. Like mm-hmm. it's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, putting fresh herbs in a sous vide is more like uh, like it makes them kind of stagnant? Yeah, because they're only cooking at 126 degrees, so it would be like the equivalent of setting um, herbs outside in a really hot day. Mm-hmm. That's, like a, next to a light bulb or something. Yeah, that, that, that's the extraction level you're going to get. Out of them. You're yeah. only going to get that 
th- that first layer oh, of like the bitterness, you're not going to get like the full depth of rosemary and thyme. You're right. Okay. So. Right. Let's move on to three before it gets too cold. All right. Number three is Camp Chef Reverse Sear. Number four. Number four, but number with four. three skewers. Camp Chef Reverse Sear. So this was cooked at 225 degrees on the Camp Chef pellet grill and then seared mm. over charcoal. Wow. That's either number one or number two. This should be very similar to the pit barrel. Mm-hmm. The bowls were reverse seared. Mm. So much more flavorful than the pan seared and the sous vide. I've got to say, cooking I them. I disagree. Mm. The, the pan seared, my favorite one. Mm-hmm. This was a little tough for me. A little tough. Mm-hmm. Me too. From a texture perspective, yeah. You sure that one? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think pan seared is still my favorite. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The herbiness that comes through Let on that Let me try one. a pan-seared again because I think y'all are nuts. Yeah. I'm still chewing on that Camp Chef one. Me too. And I don't think it's the cooker's fault. I think maybe that one... Maybe it's so, just the end. So I got the end of it. No, I, I have a center part and it was a little tough too. When you have a pecana... Um, the center cut por- portion of that is the most tender. And this Camp Chef one, I remember, was the end cut steak. Uh, so it's going to be the toughest of those steaks we cut out of. Because wow. we had a whole piccata. We cut it into five steaks. And so this was the end cap piece, which would be the toughest. I've still got to say, though, like, even though we're, like, saying which one is better, all four of these. Oh, they're all <laughs> great. They're all great. Most steaks so out good. of the water. Like, the only way I can describe why I would think you should go out and buy picanha or go out and cook picanha is because the flavor level compared to any other steak you get at the store, flavor is out the roof. So savory. Yes, but I think there's, because, you know, you got people that just don't, they don't like fat. Mm -hmm. They go buy a ribeye and they cut all the fat. They cut all the fat off of it. Mm You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, I think this, like, even though I love it, I think this texture of this fat might put off somebody. That doesn't like fat. So and I think got, that's it's kind of kind of like a, like a you that, know to that's it. kind of a good lead in into like what exactly the bacana is and like, yeah like where it comes from on the cow and kind of like the myth and mystery behind it. Um, I just had another bite of my pan seared one and like that was that was my favorite out of I all just, of them. I cannot sorry I cannot believe that. What's that? It's probably my least favorite. Nice. Really different strokes for different folks. I mean. I there's feel no like reason on there's the different flavor, methods. Now, I feel I, like the flavor is less. I personally am on like a pan-seared kick right now, and it is the most difficult of all of these methods. Yeah. There's a lot of um, rosemary in it, though. Yes. And I like the, the savory, salty flavor of the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I dig um, the rosemary, though. Mm-hmm. Well, get back to get back to the what you were saying, Jeremy, about the mythic. So, so where this cut comes from on the cow, it's actually the top sirloin. So where um, you were comparing it to a tri-tip earlier, Matt. Yeah, kind the, of similar. The tri-tip is on the bottom of the sirloin. It's a triangular shaped muscle. So that's where a tri-tip comes from. This is the cap on top of it. Now, a lot of times, like especially here in the U.S., that cap is going to be cut off and just thrown into the grind pile or used for like stew meat or something because it's it's a little bit tougher. It's a little bit more flavorful. But down in Brazil, they call this the queen of steaks. Hmm. Um, it is one of their favorite steaks down there. If you meet any Brazilian person, they're going to tell you how amazing this cut of meat is. And we've all just had it. We know it's fantastic. And what they do is they leave the fat cap on. They cut it into steaks with the grain, like Stacy was saying earlier. They grill them up to like a nice medium rare, seasoned only with salt. And then when you cut the steak, you cut it against the grain, leaving a little bit of that fat cap because there's no actual fat 
intramuscular fat in the steak. So you had that fat next to it. And, it, and as you're cooking it, you know, when I was searing these, I made sure to really, really sear that fat cap portion of it so that that could render down. And then you have a little bit of fat with that steak in there. It's kind of like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with the, uh, the fillets. The reason those were so good with that bone marrow mm -hmm. is because the filet is so lean exactly. it needs that extra fat so this is like the same thing it just kind of comes all in one one package yeah it's all like packaged up together exactly, exactly. yeah and, and that's coming from me i do not like fat or gristle on a steak i'm 100 percent the same thing yeah, yeah. don't too. like fat on like you know ribeyes or t-bones i don't i usually cut that part off and eat just the meat so i'm more of a filet gal mm -hmm. and of course you know i like wild game um absolutely love the fat on this picanha it's so flavorful. So, like, when you eat the piece of the steak, which is already flavorful, but you add, like, that little tiny chunk of the fat with it, mm -hmm. it's not something that you're chewing on forever and tossing around your mouth. Like, it melts down into your mouth and adds so much flavor. I think that's why the cut itself lends itself well so well to, to like, low and slow at first, or the reverse sear method. The reverse method sear is to help because, render that. Yeah, it gives mm -hmm. the fat a chance to kind of to render down and soften up before you... You know, you're just like jamming it in. You say that, that but you say that, but your favorite one was the pan seared, which was the hot and fast. But I think that that was like, regardless of the fat, I like the herb flavor that was coming through. So I yeah. think in a perfect world, maybe it's a low and slow reverse sear with like some real little rub magnum on it or yeah, something where, with some herbs, where you're searing it in a skillet at mm -hmm. the end w with with those herbs in there and the butter yep. and stuff. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That'd be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is one of the very few incidents. Like I like pork fat. Like when you're having a you know, pulled pork or something yeah, like that. Bacon lard. Or like a little bacon or something like a some lard, lard on. on. A lard on. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this is on. one of the few instances where, like, I liked the bites that I had a little bit of the fat on with it. Oh, yeah. Better. Yeah, because... Just for flavor-wise. Not that I didn't like the other ones. I'm telling you, this thing is mind-blowing. Because not that you don't like a good fatty ribeye, but you're more of a lean meat mm. kind of gal. Yeah. And now, like, the tri-tip has like such a great reputation everyone oh my god tri-tip is so great but i would take this cut any day over a tri-tip mm -hmm. i'm with you on that mm -hmm. i am too i think it depends on the like the meal you're going to eat it with like if i'm going to do thin slices for a taco or something i think i'd rather have a tri-tip but if i was going to eat it like a steak I, yeah. I would i would pick this one yeah the now, thing is is like with this um you know it's it's not common practice in the united states to butcher this cut this is a little bit difficult to find, which our friends at Holtzman Family Meat sent us this one, or the only other place I would know to get it is I bet like- I, can, bet I could find it. Could you? Yeah, on the cow butcher. If, if you were butchering the cow. The cow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, but you could find this at any local butcher shop. Here in Knoxville, we have one called Willie's, and I, I've got it there a few times. Um, you can call this the uh, Pecana. You can call it the Coolot, the Sirloin Cap. It has a couple of different names to it, but your butcher should recognize any of those names or most of your online retailers like Haltemans, which w is where we got this one from. This is a prime one. Um, you know, the Pecana is on there. Yeah, it's like a two and a half pounder for twenty nine ninety nine, and it made five steaks, which is ridiculous. Yes. So that's really, really cool. Price um, per serving is not but why what do they do with it here so it's not common practice in the united states to butcher it um so it's very it's, you can't go to Publix or kroger or the i've never store seen to find that no. so, so does, why is just, that what is what are we doing in america with this cut does this turn into ground beef normally yes so like that's a shame when yeah. you buy a whole cow this is probably going to get turned into gr ground beef which is crazy because in brazil and portugal this is known as the 
best steak and the mm-hmm. best cut. So it's, it's like, like well coveted. More per, more premium than like a fillet or a ribeye. Like this is you're the only steak. getting two. There's only two of these per animal. Most cows there are two per steak. I am making a statement per, to people that don't uh, know by the damn cow. Except for the hanger steak, which I'm, is only I'm one. Stab you with this brio mm-hmm. knife. Mm-hmm. Shout out, brio. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so it's kind of, it, to me, it's a little comforting to know because this is freaking awesome. Like, it's comforting to know that we could, it's not completely. I'm sorry. Quit freaking pointing at me. <laughs> just, just talking to the microphone, man. Stacy likes to go back and forth across the microphone where Listen. her voice goes in and out like this. And I, yeah. I think I need. <laughs> Do you need another car bomb? I don't think it's gonna help. <laughs> I think I need a headset that has a microphone attached to my head, so when I turn my head, she can run around the house. And- Stacy gets a special mic. Anyway, I'm sorry. Finish your thought. Do you even, do you even remember? I don't it? remember what I was talking about. Okay. Well, so oh, said- it's comforting to say. It's comforting to know that you know something like this that's typically not found in the found in the United States. That there are some companies that we can go online, yeah. find it, and it's delivered to your door. Well, it is. It's 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 convenient. But, you know, I wanted to roll back, you know, to say something like, you know, you were talking about you can go to any butcher shop, you know. And any local butcher shop, yeah. So do you, I mean. One that's known to, then they know their cuts. Not, you can't go to Kroger and no. ask them for flanking style beef ribs and uh, look at you like you got freaking four eyes. That's a grocery store, though. That's not a butcher <gasps> shop. So the only yeah. grocery store, like, um, if you were to go to like a Whole Foods, they generally have really good butcher shops inside there and they could probably get you this kind of meat. But, like, if you went to, like, Costco, I've been there before, and, like, hey, you guys have whole sirloins. Like, what do you do with the caps? And they're like, oh, we grind it up and, you know, turn it into stew meat or whatever. Oh, man. Like, this is not easy to find, but when you do find it somewhere, like your local butcher shop that does whole animal butchery, grab it. And I guess if they don't know, if you go to your butcher shop and they don't know what this cut is, it's probably not a good butcher to go to. You can go online and order it and have it delivered to your door. Yeah, just find somebody like Haltman. Yeah. Well... This was extremely tasty, and I don't know that I would call it the king of steaks. Queen Queen of steaks? Queen of steaks. I was going to say, if it's the queen, what's the king? The, I don't know. (laughs) Ribeye? I think this is just the queen. See, this is where I disagree. That's probably, well, I don't know. A couple weeks ago when we did that filet with the bone marrow, that's probably one of the most, I mean, that was just money. Well, this like, is flavorful. We're though. looking at a steak that is very has a very good reputation inside of Brazil, and like as the world gets more online, like I can only you know look forward to more steaks from different yeah. countries that we don't know about here in the United States. You know, like everyday butchers are coming up with new steaks, like the Terrace Major and the the Denver steak and the Oyster steak, all these different steaks. Yeah. You know, as science progresses and as we learn more about other cultures, like we'll learn more about different kinds of steaks like this. Yeah, what's a Denver steak? I've been seeing that around. That one is from the Chuck. Denver. Denver. That's not it's from Denver. <laughs> Cows raised like, in look, Denver. So it comes like a phoenix in the night. Throw it back to trying no feet. Um, so I, I want to say that Denver comes from like the center portion of the Chuck roast, but I'm not 100% certain on that. We can look that up. And, yeah. You know. Hey, maybe that's a future episode. We'll just talk all about Denver State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even know. I still don't know what it is. But so, uh, yeah. I have one in my freezer at home. I'm just never do you really? Where did you get it? Oh. Uh, the folks at Mason Hill Cattle sent it to me. Okay. So I still got it left over. I haven't tried it. All right, you guys. Anything else we want to add in here on uh, Picanha? No? Didn't you have a weird story about how they poke them? Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Mm-hmm. I haven't heard this. Yeah. <laughs> so Picanha 
comes from Brazil and Portugal. Okay. I, actually, the other night I was working with a physician assistant, and she used to live in Portugal, and she said, that's my favorite kind of steak. And she said, if I tell you one thing, she said, only season it with coarse salt. Don't okay. season it with anything else. Which and this, is what we did. Which yeah. is what we did. And she loves reload. So it's not like she, you know, she's basically going on base, on non-tradition. But picanha, the name came from... the. The word pecana, which was the name of the pole that ranchers used to poke the cattle. Mm. And then it was later adopted. The prod. the prod. To prod the cattle. So it was later adopted into the word picanha for that part of the meat because that is where they took that <laughs> rod and poked the cattle. So it's not a cattle prod in the sense of like they're like. That was the part the, of the of the, the, the picanha meat the is they where sh- they were poking the cattle to, to herd the, them. The sirloin is kind of like the butt cheek right there. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. they're so not they're like shocking it. This is actually like, like a So the a rod was stick. the name. The so, rod was the name, and so the area they were poking, they ended up naming the picanha. So it probably got such a good reputation because they kept poking it, so it ten- they were tenderizing nice it. Nice and tender. Yeah. Yeah. still on the Tenderizing it's still on the animal, yes. man. Yeah. That's some forethought. Mm-hmm. Nice. Smart guys down there. All right, so... Well, that's it, guys. I think we're going to sign off here. Um, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of That Reload Podcast. I know we did. Uh, car bombs, Bacana, Bacana, and <laughs> Arguments about beef. <laughs> and, yeah, and everything. I mean, I, I hope you all realize how right I was and how wrong Jeremy was. <laughs> and, Pretty sure uh, that's not how we left that <laughs> off, but okay. <laughs> and we'll see you guys on the next episode of That Reload Podcast. But don't forget, guys, to subscribe to this podcast, like, and share it. Put it out there so we can keep doing this jazz for you all. And don't forget also to head over to ReloadRub.com pick up all your favorite rubs and seasonings. We'll see you guys. This podcast is brought to you by Reload Rub and Seasoning. Head to ReloadRub.com to pick up the full arsenal of our delicious blends, perfect for amping up your next meal. No MSG, clean ingredients, and a portion of every sale is donated to Hungry Heroes, serving those who serve others. So head over to ReloadRub.com and order yours today. Now remember when you're chewing, not to be up here. Are these starships good? Joel, these, star, these starships good? Yes. Definitely have one of those. Matter of fact, I'm digging it as well. You gotta quit. You gotta stop. You gotta quit. Like, I hate that, <laughs> listening to stuff. Like, uh. I actually enjoy it. I do. Be sure to eat the mic, everybody. Uh, yeah, like I was having an aneurysm with you. <laughs> You're like pointing to the mic, like, pointing to the mouth. I know, and you derail what I'm thinking. I can't help it. No one can hear you. <laughs> it puts the mic in the mouth, or it gets the hose again. Stop it! These, oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> These things are only going to get more and more dried out. Okay, okay let's go. Let's uh, go.